Hello, we are No More Sex Is Shit. I'm Beth. I'm Louise. And today we're talking all about The Wilds, which is one of the best shows you'll ever watch, guys. Like, it's my favourite. And see, when I say it's my favourite, like, oh, I've binge watched it so many times, like five times or something like that. I would highly recommend. As usual, we are going to be spoiling a lot of things about the series. So if you haven't watched it, go away and watch it. And once you have, come back and give us a listen. The nature of this show is that if you haven't seen it, you will get spoiled and it will pretty much ruin the whole plot. Yeah, so. pretty much. <laughs> yeah, you need to watch stuff before we talk about it. Yeah. I don't think there will ever be an episode where we don't spoil something. So, yeah. Yeah. So this show was mainly written by, well, it was created by Sarah Stryker and Amy Hannis is the showrunner for it. And it was directed by Susanna Fogel, John Paulson, Sherry Nolan, Haifa Al-Mansur, Alison McLean, Ed Wilde, Tara Nicole Weir and Sydney Freeland. So lots of directors on this project. So um, a quick plot summary. Set in modern-ass America, the Wilds follows 18 teenage girls who come from a variety of backgrounds and experiences. They run a plane to Hawaii for a women's retreat when the plane crashes and leaves them stranded on a desert island. We find out at the end of the first episode that everything is not what it seems. And this is, in fact, a social experiment. Dun, dun, dun. The Wilds tackles many social issues, some of which include young carers, mental illness, substance abuse, eating disorder, sexual abuse, homophobia, and suicide. Shall we look at the characters? What a great idea. So our first main protagonist in this series is Leah Rilk, who is played by Sarah Pigeon. Oh, Leah is my favourite character. I don't know why. Like, she's just, I don't know. There's something captivating about her. She's so complex and so much about her. So she feels very ordinary and which we kind of see in the first episode as we see her background and she's basically waiting for something significant to happen to her. This does happen when she falls in love with Jeff, a 30-year-old man who has come to her school as a like previous student who is now an author of book. So she falls in love with Jeff and lies about her age. She's very observant and very paranoid which we see as the series progresses. She's very bright, but spirals very, very easily, and she's prone to self-destruction. See, you say um, that she's your favourite character. I would say she's my least favourite character. <gasps> Everyone main... says that. I don't yeah. know why. I think it's the fact that she's a pick-me girl. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like on further watching and watching it, how many times you have, you'll see it better. But on the surface, I think she is she has main character vibes. Yeah, she yeah. Has, I know I'm the main character vibes. Yeah, which kind of throws you off. I think as well because the series starts with her, mm. and we're first introduced to the whole premise through her eyes that she is given more of the spotlight. Yeah, definitely. What do you think of her relationship with Jeff? Now, this is an interesting topic, which I've kind of seen a lot of stuff being written about it online on fandom accounts and things, and there's quite a lot of controversy given to it. Lots of people say that it's Leah's fault and that it was kind of her fault that she got heartbroken because she didn't tell Jeff her age in the first place. But you've got to remember, Jeff is a 30-year-old man 
who has come to a high school to talk to students, high school students who are aged from, I don't know what it is in the States, probably like, I don't know, maybe like 14, 15 to what, 18 or something like that. Yeah. That is that is what you're going to get in that school. And she says she's 18 so that she's technically legal. But of course, I mean, I think the main point is they're high school students. He should not have been interested or put any advances forward, even if she was of a legal age, because you're I mean, she's not mature. You know, I mean, she's still a student in high school. At least wait until she's left high school before making any advances. Yes. It's more Jeff's responsibility as an adult than Leah's. What would you say? I'd probably agree. They seem very lax at that high school. Um, The teacher asked her to drive him somewhere. Yeah. Which would never happen. It's like child safety. I know. And actually, um, fun fact, I don't know if you know this, but it's been confirmed that that um, teacher, the English teacher, is actually an employee of Gretchen. Ah, so she is. So it was literally planned like in advance, but I don't. I mean, it's kind of. I mean, I mean, we'll talk about this when we get to Gretchen. But her whole preparation for this, like the amount of thought and detail, like how did she know that Jeff and Leah would fall in love? Yeah, what did she think was going to happen? You know, it gives um Aria from Pretty Little Liars vibes. Never she, seen it. Well, she falls in love with a teacher. But then he says that he doesn't know who she is, but he actually does, mm. which makes it dodgy. But if Gretchen has that much influence, it's quite impressive. But that makes it even worse than all the other stuff that she did. Exactly. All the other stuff was worse, but manipulating yeah. a minor like that. That's exactly. How evil she is. Yeah. So our next character. Rachel Reed, um, one of the sisters. Yep. Um, she's very ambitious. Um, she does lots of sport. She seeks validation from her parents constantly. And she's jealous of Noda. She's slight, a bit of a psycho. She's um, so psycho. <laughs> but um, she, you can see where she gets that from. Yeah. Um, I find it interesting that she's compared to her sister in the TV show, both by the stories and the actual people in their lives. I find that's quite interesting. Um, you can see why she comes that way. It's tragic, her backstory. The fact that she worked so hard for so long and then just something she can't control stopped her and the destructive path that, that put, it, put her down. Definitely. it's um. I think a lot of people will be able to relate to that storyline or have someone that they know gone down that path. Or I mean, just anyone who's faced a really big disappointment in their life. I mean, everyone faces it at some point. And how that can take such a mental toll on you. Um, and for Rachel, obviously, diving was her thing. And for that just to be taken away from her because she got beautiful. And I think the way her coach broke that to her was a really kind way to do it. You know, saying, like, you've you've gotten beautiful. You've grown into a beautiful woman. It's tragic. I it's, I mean, it's really tragic. It is. And yeah. you really feel for Rachel. Um and then she just, she can't let go of diving. And so she does um, some damaging things in order for her to keep diving, which is a real shame. Um, for the awesome TV show, it's explore of your femininity and what is to be a woman. And in Rachel's case, being a woman is what stops her. Yeah. And that's really, it's almost a contradiction to the whole island of, this is what women can do. 
but it's also her and it's just tragic and to see that side by side on her own island and her in high school mm-hmm. it's just a really good parallel to show us definitely wow that was deep Louise I'm impressed <laughs> moving on to Rachel's twin sister Nora and um, played by the marvellous Helena Howard. Um, Nora is a very socially awkward character, very introverted, very book smart and very protective of her sister. She wants validation from her sister first and foremost. She just, because she didn't get the social cues and she didn't have friends in school, we assume, her parents would make up for that by being her friend and by making sure she felt like she belonged somewhere and that happening from her parents though that made Rachel feel pushed out and not belonging whereas Rachel would fit much more easily into social situations than Nora would so it's a constant kind of battle between them internally but they're both just wanting the best for each other and they both want to be loved by their parents and loved by each other of course the main plot twist which is a big plot twist so if I if you have not stopped listening yet stop listening go and watch it all and then come back she is the other confederate. Dun dun dun. First of all, did you that, see, did you see that? Did you guess it was Nora? No, I liked Nora. <laughs> Me too. She was like my favorite. Her and Leo were my favorite. She was very cute. Um, you just you just saw. Oh, she wants the best for her sister. This is nice. She was she was positive. She was trying to cheer people up. Um, she would talk to Shelby about being herself. She was just an all-round um, nice person to get the best out of the out of all the fr- friends. But now you look at it and say, was she genuinely being nice to them or was this part of the experiment? So you have to look back at every single interaction she's ever had with these people on the island and say, was she manipulating them? Which completely turns the whole character on its head. Yeah, totally. I think another thing to know is why she became the confederate. And some of it is to do with Quinn, who we will talk about later, but a lot of it is for the, the sake of her sister. And she she tries so much because I think seeing someone like disappear, I think Rachel describes that, you know, seeing someone you love disappear into nothing or something similar. It, it I mean, it has a toll on you. And I think for yeah. Nora, that is, it's been so difficult for her to see that that she is doing everything in her power to not let what happened to Rachel happen again. And so she thinks this will will help her. But did Nora really know the full extent of what was going to be happening on that island? No. No. And again, she's a minor. Like, they can't make their own decisions, really. Nobody really knew. Not even Gretchen. She didn't know that Jeanette was going to die. I know. That was... Oh. Yeah, so... Yeah, but then she sure. keeps continuing the experiment. Like, yes. a, a lot of questionable ethics and morals here. Gretchen, yeah. Yeah. Um, Tony, um, Shelfo, um, by, uh, played by Rana James. Um, anger issues, <laughs> broken family, mum's an addict, self-destructive. She doesn't like being vulnerable. And she's got trust issues that everybody but Martha. Um, she's another sporty one of the girls. But her relationship with sports is very different from Rachel's. I see this as a way to express anger. 
but it's not a whole life and a whole identity compared to Rachel. And the two parallels of them is quite interesting, especially because they're a lot closer. Yeah, and their interactions with each other as well. That first interaction on the plane where they're like getting to know each other and um, Rachel asks like, oh, what does she do sport? And she says, oh yeah, basketball. And she's like, oh, and are you good? And she's like, yeah. And then she tells the story of how she threw her own pee at someone. And Rachel's just like, that's beneath her. It's quite interesting. I think a lot of that as well is to do with their their social backgrounds. So Rachel, I don't know if you know this, but Rachel and Nora both go to private schools in the States. So does Leah and who's the other person? Fatten, of course. They all go to a private school, whereas Tony, Martha, Shelby, uh, Dot, they all go to state schools. And of course... I think that has a lot to do with Tony's kind of lack of ambition. The way I see it is Tony doesn't really see a future for herself. I don't think she can think that far ahead. She doesn't have ambitions like Rachel. Rachel can see, oh, she's going to go to the Olympics or at least maybe it's delusional, but whatever. Whereas Tony, I think from the background that she's had, she doesn't see a future for herself, which I think is another really sad thing that's not really brought up, but I think... I'm just kind of getting that from her kind of background and how she kind of deals with responsibility and her future. She's just, she's not afraid to mess up because she knows that she, well, she thinks that she knows that she won't get very far. Yeah. So she doesn't have the pressure on her. Exactly. Um, I like the fact that her and Martha, um, they know each other outside the island, which yeah. is not a dynamic. Yeah. Because it's not a sister dynamic, it's that we've chosen to be friends. Yeah, exactly. And what's really nice is, you know, we see from Tony's episode and from Martha's episode each other and how they were together um, outside of the island. And I think another big part um, with Tony is that, I think, is it her episode? And she said, oh, sisters, some people are born with them, but others aren't or something like that. And I think that kind of bond that Martha and Tony have where Tony hasn't really had a stable relationship in her life. And so for her to have one with Martha has kind of bonded them in a way that she wouldn't really have done with anyone else. And so I think that kind of bond of being sisters, even though they're not related by blood, is really important. Yeah, I think that's why she's so harsh to Shelby. Yes. At the start, oh, oh, apart from other reasons. Yeah, yeah. But, um, she can't cope with the fact that somebody else killed Martha because yeah. she has been the one protecting her, her whole life exactly deal deal with it yeah oh Tony right <laughs> moving on to Dot, <laughs> Dot um, played by Shannon Berry Dot has watched a lot of Survivor <laughs> so she knows a lot of survival skills she's a very strong person um, but is very reserved and private she's a bit of a lone wolf she kind of can cope with being on her own, which I think um, she's had to learn to do. She is a neutral party very much of the time, you know. Yes. She she kind of keeps her head on rather than getting all emotional emotional (laughs) about things. And she tries to keep the group from fighting with each other and tries to think logically rather than emotionally. She is responsible and had to mature very quickly for her age, um, which we get from her background because her dad was unfortunately very ill and passed away. 
And so she had to look after her dad. And um, when he passed away, she had to look after herself. So she had a big, a big responsibility to look after someone else and to look after herself. And she's only, what, 16? So she had to grow up very quickly. Yes. Dot, um, I think she probably is one of my favourite characters then. Yeah. I think she was the one that, if, when you go into thinking she's involved with this, it's too convenient, her survival skills. Yeah. And even though it's Nora and, and one that have been discovered as the people on the inside, when we never know that it's not her, it could be her. Mm-hmm. Because we know that Gretchen knew her dad mm-hmm. and Gretchen did recruit her, so she met Gretchen before. So there is some doubt whether to she, how involved she is in the first place. Yeah, true. And another interesting thing that you just brought up, um, how did her dad know Gretchen? Yeah. How, how did that relationship form? How did he find out about this experiment? Or was Gretchen was Gretchen's first meeting with her dad intentional so that she could get Dot in the experiment? Lots of speculation and things. Um, and that, the funniest theory, I think, is that Dot is Gretchen's daughter, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't see being true at all, but is is quite funny to think about. But- the classic Star Wars trope. Yes. <laughs> when in course. doubt, missing parent. Yep. <laughs> yeah. She's quite serious, but I think she's the only one that truly grasps from the start of the situation how serious the situation is because yeah. of watching old Survivor. Yep. She definitely has leadership material yep. in the setting of the jungle. Yes. She would be very good in Emma Celebrity. She would. I think she'd be up for anything. <laughs> She really would. I think most of these people would at the end of their journey for yeah. But apart from the start, she would go into the jungle. She'd be fine. Yeah. Fatin Judmani, and played by Sophia Ali, self confident, self sufficient. She's lazy, but she's a chill extraordinaire, which is <laughs> interesting considering you don't really see that. Like when you first see her, like when you see on the plane, you see. One of them does sports, one of them's a beauty queen, one of them really likes music. You don't really see that about her. No. And it's it's quite a shocking discovery, I would say. Yeah. When we find out that she is really, really involved in something for so long. Yeah. Which makes it even more tragic. Yeah. It's also quite interesting, actually, um, as a music student, uh, there <laughs> are um, child prodigies that I've seen in the past and a lot of their background is that their parents have forced them to play an instrument from the age of three or something like that. And they've gotten like incredibly brilliant at this instrument. And I mean, they are child prodigies, but they don't actually want to do it. They don't enjoy it. They've just kind of been forced to do it so much. And they might like it, but it's not really what they want to do. And I think that's probably a big part of that. And, and we kind of see that, that she she likes just partying and going out and having fun and sleeping with people. And that's kind of what she enjoys doing. I think she just wants to have more of a normal teenage life rather than being stuck in a practice room practicing like Elgar's uh, cello uh, concerto or whatever so I think that is um quite a big part of her um and she's just kind of trying to break free of her parents control yeah she gives an image of to the to the rest of the world yeah it's different from the image of what her parents want her to be yeah also what she is herself yeah and it's only really on the island that she discovers what that really is totally 
Yeah. One of the things I love about Fatten before we move on, she is so funny. She has she really some of is. the best one-liners in this TV show. And she's just, oh, she's brilliant. Another thing to mention, um, that scene between Fatten and Leah, where there's that kind of standoff. Oh, yeah. That is so powerful. And it kind of shows, you know, Fatten, she might not look like she can really stand up to anything or she'll, she, she's fearful that she'll break a nail or something like that. When it actually comes to it, she is fearless. And there's that kind of fight between Leah and Fatten and Fatten's like, come at me, show me what you got. And then, of course, she goes off and um, finds the water, and which totally shows she's self-sufficient. And actually, you kind of, she's really easy to judge at first glance. And actually, when you get to know her, there's a lot more to her. And actually, I think after that kind of standoff between Leah and Fatten, that made their relationship and bond stronger because I think we see in episode eight when Leah is very <laughs> depressed and runs toward the sea, Fatten's there and caring for her and is like, it's okay, you need to take these. And Leah says, I want my mom. And she's like, me too and it's like oh yeah there's some kind of resolution between her re- relationship with her mum and her which is taking place on the island which kind of shows that although this yeah. is very morally corrupt it might actually be working yeah because um, Fatten um kind of ruins a family's lives <laughs> um yeah but it, yeah she's a teenager yeah what, what did you make of that I, I just yeah what did you make of that whole basically um yeah her dad um is on tinder or something is getting pictures of women's physiques shall we say <laughs> um, and is sending some back um some sexting going on basically yeah. and Fatten finds out and is kind of shell-shocked and so she sends these chats to the whole of his contact list and basically ruins their mom her mom and dad's business and embarrasses her mom to an extreme level yeah um slightly selfish um but her dad wasn't in the right but no it was a very extreme measure yeah there were better ways of handling it it's like she's watched um the 2000s um team dramas yeah um, where it was like oh something's happened in the high school let's magically text the thing that's happened to every single person it's kind of mean girls-esque isn't it yeah, yeah. it's like gossip girl yeah xoxo <laughs> definitely okay shelby goodkind played by mia healy so she's from texas she comes from accent. A- yeah a very good accent <laughs> I mean, that's why I was so shocked when I found out like half of these people are from like Australasia. Yeah. Yeah, she's from Texas. She comes from a very religious background. She is very optimistic, we think, because of her faith and and can be very calm in certain situations. She is very much still in the closet, if you get my drift. (laughs) And she has dentures, which is quite... I, I didn't know that was a thing and interestingly Sarah Stryker the creator had dentures growing up and so that was kind of just to yeah bring some of that 
into her own uh, TV show, which I thought was quite a nice um, detail. She is constantly struggling with this idea of perfection and how she has to be perfect for her parents um, and for God or whatever. Um, And that really kind of drives her mad when it gets to episode nine. Is that her episode, episode nine, I think? When she cuts her hair off, yeah. Yeah, she, yeah. she yeah. kind of goes on a little mad fit and drinks a lot of vodka and nearly breaks her dentures and then cuts her hair because she can't brush it, which is a bit of a mood, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> you, like, you brush your hair, hair and then the brush gets stuck and then she's like, oh, I'm just going to cut it. I would totally do that. Like, <laughs> I, I don't wash my hair for like three days and then like, oh, let's just cut it off. <laughs> We need to talk about shell bald. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> no. I like how dentures are like a metaphor for the whole story arc. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it, that is such a good point, actually. So she wants to be like perfect, and then she thinks that permanently fixing her teeth will make her perfect. Yeah. And it's like a whole, she wants to permanently fix herself, but she can't and stuff. Yeah. It's just that constant internalized homophobia of which she feels and I mean they've all got such sad backgrounds but this one particularly you know the suicide of her best friend and the first person she actually liked and kissed and then the next thing you know after shouting at her her best friend is dead and her best friend was actually am I right in thinking her stepbrother or something had made advances on her when she was like 13 years old yes yeah and then she had to go in I think she was admitted to a mental hospital maybe or something like that and then Shelby opens that wound when she's scared yeah. about her own truth coming out that she um that she brings that up and tells it uh, tells Becca it's her fault and then of course Becca commits suicide yeah. which oh the, the grief Shelby faced and of course she does yeah. that pageant and she sings day by day and it's so moving and of That's... course she's just found out that um her best friend is no longer with her that's when her dad realizes why she's why she's giving such a good performance and he's not happy and so what does he do he gives her the opportunity to fix her teeth yes because that will solve everything yeah it's like have you seen that meme and it's like the water tank, and then it's someone putting like duct tape over yes. a massive hole. It's like putting a band-aid yeah. on like the ocean or something. It's not gonna do anything. No. Now Shelby is a really interesting character, how much she changes so fast. Yeah. So quickly because um, at the start, she's just she doesn't get on for M day, especially Tony. Mm-hmm. But um then she befriends Martha and we sort of see her character opening up. But she is deeply angry at the world and she does take that out and all the rest of the girls constantly. And her relationship with Leah is well questionable. Yeah. This is very interesting. There's been lots of theories made on social media. And we see in, I can't remember which episode, but eventually they, when they're in the bunker, Shelby passes a note to Leah that says, you're right. Yeah. Now they've never really we don't see them very close in the island. There's one maybe one heart to heart between um Leah and Shelby where she says, you know, yesterday I was the crazy one. Now it's you, haha. 
and then she's like train wrecks unite or something like yeah. that she says so we don't really see so I'm looking for in season two I'm looking forward to seeing how that develops if we see it in season two and what mm-hmm. what kind of what happens for them to, to become close I think it'll be quite interesting of course there's the breakout attempt mm-hmm. um allergic reaction yep and we don't know how much of that was planned and staged yep. because obviously she could be faking an allergic reaction. Yeah. But what's one of them was eating selfish yeah. at the desk and rubbing it into the desk. Yeah, we have to give kudos to um yes. particularly Danny, um, best of the wilds account on TikTok and Instagram. Yes. Um, who comes up with the best theories um and also Wilds theories um yes. Instagram account as well. Um, and they've talked a lot about the, the scene where Dot in, is in the bunker and she orders all this seafood. Yeah. And, of course, we know that Shelby is al- allergic to that. And so we see Dot with her napkin or, or like, wiping her fingers on the desk. And yeah. then it could be that Shelby or the vending machine, that's another option. That's how they communicate. It could be that um, Dot put her napkin in the vending machine and it was somehow passed to Shelby, which could then give Shelby yeah. the- allergic reaction which allows Leah to escape so most of that theory work goes to um, Danny and Wilde's theories account um, which is genius and it would make a lot of sense actually and it's funny because whenever Sarah Stryker and Amy Harris do um, kind of interviews and stuff like that they do admit that some of the theories they can't say which yeah some of the theories are like astonishingly correct <laughs> so I hope that this fish theory yeah. is correct because that would be so cool of course we don't know there's from the shark attack to when they're in the bunker we've got time missing there yep so we don't know if that'll be explored in the next season yeah there's before, yeah yeah, there's a lot of speculation on how long it'll be between the shark attack and when they are rescued, essentially. We're looking at another three weeks or so from what the main speculation is, three or four weeks from yeah. the shark attack before they're actually rescued. Which, I mean, when I first like read these things, like, my mind was blown. I was like, no way can it be like three or four weeks on top of that. That's an insane amount of time to yes. be trapped on an island. And of course, Leah is trapped in the hole. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And Leah knows. Leah about, knows. Leah about, knows. Yeah, about the, uh, well, pretty much about everything. She knows about um, Nora being the confederate. Yeah. The thing will be whether she reveals to anyone what she knows. I think, I don't think Leah could keep that a secret. She would. at the same time, like Rachel has just had her arm amputated. We don't know what's happened to Nora. Yeah. Nora's just a big question is mark. Nora oh, dead? Oh, is she dead? I don't she can't be dead. I won't I can't. But she wasn't interviewed. But she wasn't interviewed. I can't accept that she will be dead. She she isn't she isn't in my mind she's not dead. Okay. But Helena was also back filming, but of course that could be flashbacks. flashbacks. Yeah, exactly. So oh there's also theories that Nora is actually alive, but we won't see that until the end of season two. It's like a whole big plot twist at the end and she's actually working with Gretchen again, but we don't know that. Well, I suppose if the FBI agents are involved yeah. in the plot, then why would they need to interview Nora when Gretchen could just interview Nora? Exactly. That is a very good point. Shall we move on to Martha Blackburn? Yes. Played by Jenna Claus. Um, 
very caring and nice, naive, but by choice. She's it's not she's not she's smart. Yeah. Um, she's trusting technical over Tony. The relationship's really nice. Um, she's probably one of the closest people at the start to Shelby. Um, she's optimistic. Has lots of mum vibes. Very nice. Our backstory is good. It's good that we've got they've got a Native American perspective. Yeah, which is very unusual. Mm-hmm. And I think that they incorporate the culture into that very well. I don't know that much about Native American culture, but we do see different parts that we wouldn't normally see, which I think is really nice. It didn't feel forced, which yeah. on some TV shows it can feel like. And I feel that it wasn't just. I mean, I I'm not. I don't know much about it either. But it didn't feel stereotypical. It felt very kind of natural. And from what I know, um, Sarah Stryker wanted to make sure that there were people who knew about these backgrounds or who were from these backgrounds who were able to write accurately for this and be able to give information so that it wasn't inaccurate, basically. Yes, of course. Hot pivotal scene with the goat. Yeah. Which changes between um, her wearing a island outfit and her... Um, traditional outfit yeah. yes it's, ve- it's a very powerful scene when I first watched it I I was like oh she killed the goat yeah I, I didn't get the symbolism of it at all the first time I watched it and I was watching a live video I think between Rain Edwards uh, Rachel and Martha well Jenna um, uh, who plays Martha and she talked about her brother or someone a relative had watched it and was like why did you kill the goat <laughs> and she was like if you didn't under if you did if you think the goat should have lived then you didn't get the story you didn't get what was happening and yeah. so I think I, I, I thought about it and actually the goat is like essentially our doctor right yeah in her past and kind of f you man I'm just gonna basically it was a girl boss moment yeah totally and how beautifully that was shot with just a couple of splats of blood yeah. on her face afterwards and and the traditional dance outfit as well it was such a stunning visual and yeah really yeah really touching and then of course martha goes back to the beach um and is covered <laughs> in blood and everyone's like yeah oh my gosh are you crazy? and she's like yeah 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 can you help me carry the goat yeah <laughs> and then they go and then Fatten's like oh like I'm seriously hot for you like right yeah. now because like caveman vibes or something like that yeah which is so funny they are going back to very basic yeah primal instinct instincts which yeah. is interesting she despite the start being the most kind naive one is the most vile one at some points yeah um <laughs> Which is interesting. Um, this is apart from the fight between the girls. This is like the only true act of violence. Yeah. Like of course, there's all the fighting between them, but that's out of anger. This is just a pure. We need to eat. Also, anger for the same yeah. reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a really interesting character, and I think when you first watch it, you think, oh, she's just like a fluff. yeah like there's not much depth to her but when you get and I think it's very skillfully done that we don't get Martha's story until right at the end I think she's the last no the second last story last yeah um which is a a really artistic choice which I think kind of helped I I like after the the episode of each girl um your perspective of them's completely changed 
Yeah. So it's so important the the, the order that we see the episode in. Yeah. And it's just really yeah, impressive yeah. how they've done it. Yeah, definitely. And there's an interesting part as well where um Leah gets two episodes of her backstory. Well, that's because she is the pick me girl. <laughs> you just don't you just don't like her. You just I don't just like don't her. like her. No, it's I fine. Like she's a good no. character. I'm just saying that she's a pick me girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> given an impression she has a good character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think part of Leah's story comes from I mean, n- not exactly, but her whole heartbreak. Um, yeah. comes from Sarah Stryker's um, what happened to Sarah Stryker and she went through a really bad breakup um, according to interviews and things and so this was quite therapeutic writing Leah's heartbreak and I think getting that into into art really helped um, and it's really interesting and I love the song <laughs> Ghost in You. It's yeah. such a tune. I don't know why I like it so much. And I love the bit where she's dancing in the middle of the street, but then of course she gets hit by a car and that's kind of her turning point where she just gets so depressed she can't leave bed or anything like that. Yeah. Shall we talk about Jeanette? Yep. Lynn? Yep. She is very smart, um, is quite opinionated she has very strong views that um are similar to Gretchen's she firstly wants to help other girls um she wants to destroy the patriarchy she herself has a very difficult backstory as well um where she was gang raped which is obviously very unpleasant and um it's not really it's not the main story of her backstory it's kind of it's there but it's kind of emphasized more when Jeanette sees Leah unconscious and it takes her back to the night where she was like that and I think at that point she goes no what are we doing this is this is not okay this is against their will this shouldn't be allowed to happen and so that's a turning point. But then, of course, she falls off and then she says that she'll do it. But I think yeah. she she has seriously got issues with it. And I think, I mean, she says sorry to Leah for, for everything that's happened. Um, and Leah doesn't quite get it. But yeah. yeah. It's quite interesting that that's what led to her death. Yeah. Her trying to claim back this, you know, autonomy of mm-hmm. this. But it's good that her backstory does not define her. Yeah. What I think is funny, it's not that funny, but it's her go down for when she's <laughs> on the island. Yeah. Um she she gives major um vibes in the bar. And then of course, like Taylor Swift listening yeah. on vibes. And then of course we get Jeanette, who's very <laughs> pink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeanette is it is Oh, it's very clever how she just assumes this new persona. I thought, yes. that, yeah, I thought it was really well done. It almost looks like a different actress, which is very impressive. Yeah, totally. Oh, do you know what I love? Sorry, this is like going away from the characters, but yeah. you know that scene where Jeanette's there and is when Martha's on her bender and it's like the cake scene and it's like cake yeah. by the ocean and then she comes out with this cake and a smile and then she like screams. <laughs> <laughs> I love that scene so much. It's so yeah. powerful. So cool. That cake looks so nice. It looks so nice, right, doesn't it? Oh. Well, I suppose they have to make it nice so they can all get drugged, but yeah. it, it does look I don't, nice Even cake. if it drugged me, I would still eat it. It looks really good. I think it would be worth it. It would be. 
<laughs> I can't believe we're saying that. I know. Um, so yeah, um, one of the most haunting parts is when they bury Jeanette one and they sing pink. It's almost funny. It's sad but funny. And of course, then we have we are digging up the grave for the phone, and that's probably one of the first major indications that oh wait, this is not what it seems. TikTok, we have TikTok, guys. Side note, sidebar, <laughs> we have TikTok. Go follow us on TikTok at No More Texas Shit, same as the Twitter. Awesome. So yeah. Love that little plug. Okay, Gretchen, <laughs> Gretchen Klein. The ultimate girl boss ga- gaslight gatekeep. Yep. <laughs> Played by Rachel Griffiths. I think she's Australian as well, actually. Fun fact. Gretchen herself has mental health issues. Yes. Quite big ones what happened in her life that was so traumatic that has pushed her to go okay I'm gonna put eight girls on an island on their own stranded for two months or whatever and so that they can I don't know grow up like what made her do that in her life I want I want to know what Gretchen I want Gretchen's backstory which I think we might be getting in the second season but I'm not sure yeah of course I've got the um, story of her son who yeah. was involved in the fraternity and about how how that toxic masculinity and all that changed him and mm-hmm. how she feels like that took her son the patriarchy took her son away from her yeah which is deep we also see her check herself into a mental health facility when mm-hmm. Jeanette dies mm-hmm. when dies and that's quite confusing when I first watched it because I wasn't sure if it was flashing forward and back in time because I think it takes you out of it slightly. Yeah. The fact that she just goes to this place that we've never seen. At first I thought, oh wait, is she being caught? Mm-hmm. But no, she just goes in because she, she misses Jeanette. Jeanette, one, is the one thing she feels guilty about, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Somebody has died and it's her fault. And she goes to get Daniel Faber. Of course. Dr. Daniel Faber to work for her essentially she was fired from her job at the university for ironically having two extreme experiments and then so she kind of goes okay well I'll just do it on my own no idea how she got you know sponsorships or people funding her experiment one of the things um another theory that has been talked about is that Fatten's parents are actually sponsoring the experiment, putting money into that. Whether they actually know what the experiment is doing or not, that's another question. But that was another thing that was brought to light. I'm I'm, I'm not convinced about Gretchen's backstory about her son and the toxic masculinity. I think there must have been something else that happened before that. I'm just, yes. I'm not convinced about that whole thing. And of course, the whole thing with Quinn as well. Yeah. That, it's dodgy. Maybe she just really into the Hunger Games. <laughs> Quite she possibly. she just wanted the non-violent Hunger Games. It's just, oh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe her son killed Quinn intentionally for her social experiment. <gasps> oh, that is. <gasps> but that's, I, I don't know, would she go that far? I don't know. I don't even know anymore. Uh, Gretchen is too complex for me to work out. She really is. Have we got any more theories? Because we've not talked about um, t- Twilight of Adam. That is true. So Leah, in the end of the last episode, she looks at the camera um, right at the last, like on her last line, and then that's yeah. the end of the season. Parallels, love that. While she sees Twilight of Adam, she sees footage of 
boys on an island. Right. There is a theory, um, there's two theories, that this is live and it's happening because mm. when we are first captured, they say we can't take the boats out because all the boats are to the other to the other um, island, to other experiment. Then the question is, is that to the Twilight of Adam, which is a control experiment? Yeah. Or is there another girls on another island? Because That's a very good point. Because there are theories that there's the control of the guys and then a few, because they would need the control, but for it to be successful, she would need more than one island. Yeah, yeah, the boys. So we are getting boys in the second season. The cast has been released for the second yes. season. A lot of people are quite nervous whether that will mean that the girls have less screen time um, than the boys. I think I trust the creator, the writer, the showrunner enough that yes. I don't think they will overpower the girls. I think we will get some backstories of the boys, but I don't think that will be the main thing in season two. But I do think we won't start with the girls in episode one of season two. I think we'll definitely start with the boys to keep the suspense going of what's happened. Yes, a good point. I don't think we'll get them going back to that normal life anytime soon. No. Sarah Stryker in an interview talked about how long the TV show would potentially last and she said there was enough story to go for three seasons or possibly four seasons. So I think as long as it gets renewed by Amazon Prime Video again, we should be getting another season where we may see the girls being reunited with their parents or possibly even a fourth season. Or even united with the boys. But that would be... um... No, I don't think Gretchen would do that. No. It would have to be an outside power. Yeah. So, reviews. It scored 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is very high, very good um, for a TV show. On IMDb, it scored a 7.4 out of 10, so not bad, but could be better. RogerEbert.com stated um, Amazon Prime's The Wilds is the unexpected hit of the season. So generally, it's been quite well-received. There are a few articles that rated it three stars that thought it was okay, but kind of just nothing that we haven't seen before. Just Lord of the Flies, but female which yes. I don't entirely agree with. I, For me, personally, I just love how it's female-run and female-directed yeah. a lot of the time. And, I, I mean, it's pretty much all female, which is really important because, obviously, um, in the film industry and television, there's a lack of female roles and things like that. And um, it's good to have, uh, I mean, eight lead female yes. cast members and they're not just flimsy, bamby-pamby characters, you know, they are meaty yeah. roles to play with very um, strong backgrounds. Talking about that, shall we talk about representation in this whole season? Go for it. Okay, representation is very good in this, of course. We have two different LGBT characters, Shelby mm-hmm. and Tony, very different parts of their life and their discovery of themselves. And it's done very well, the different backgrounds and how it's affected. Of course, we've also got some non-white characters as well, which is also good. It's a very diverse cast, and I really yeah. think that enriches it. Yeah. There's stereotypes, and I really think it only enriches it, the fact that it's not just eight white straight girls on the island. Yeah, definitely. And interestingly, um, Mia Healy, who plays Shelby, of course, 
um, is quite openly bisexual. Um, so having obviously an LGBTQ person playing an LGBTQ character is yes. great. And obviously Martha's actress, Jenna, um, is Native American. So it's very appropriately been cast um, with people from those backgrounds who are able to appropriately tell these stories and I read an article today about Sarah Stryker pretty much from the start having very specific ideas for each character including body type, racial background, um, sexual orientation, all those kind of things and that was very much um, in her mind at at the very start and when they were casting that was very important to have um, people from a range of backgrounds and body types, etc., and yes. playing these roles. Interesting. Um, at the start of the first episode, um, when we found out that it's not all that it seems, I did think it was very odd of the flies. There has been quite a lot of these done before. I was skeptical, mm-hmm. but as it goes on, you well, every character development happens. Every episode, you get more and more invested. And it's so clever in the way that you get more and more invested until the end. You really care about all the characters. And I think it's just a good show in general. I agree. And the fandom is awesome. I love the fandom yes. is awesome. Scoops' Instagram account, Danny's Instagram account, like the Wild series, like everyone, Charlie yes. the Shark, <laughs> great Instagram page. It's I mean it's amazing. I literally live for the comments on Amazon Prime videos in the Wilds yeah. um, comment pages. They're awesome. Love being part of that fandom. <laughs> Person of the day today is oh. Sarah Stryker. Woo. I mean, it could oh. be anyone else. Really? So, fun facts about her: she um, was one of the staff writers for Daredevil, Marvel's Daredevil, um, in season three, um, and she has been credited for one of the episodes. She has an MFA in screenwriting from, I think it's South South. California University and she has an MA in French literature as well which wow (laughs) so random but awesome which is pretty cool and The Wilds is actually her first pilot um, that she's written before um and impressive yeah very impressive and it's been so well received and everyone's loved it and yeah very to take that much of a risk on your first pilot yeah because to be honest, this is quite a risky show. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because it was, if this wasn't done right, it would have failed. Yeah, it would have flopped so badly. Yes. So, yeah, thank you, Sarah Stryker, for making an, an amazing, brilliant TV show that has captured so many people around the globe um, and brought so many people together. So, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening. And if you're ne- still here. <laughs> if you're still here, I know. It's a bit of a long one today. Next time, we will be talking about Killing Eve Season 4, Episode 1. Very yes. exciting. We will also have... Drumroll. Um, we will be going to Earth's, um Showmasters Spring Comic Con and we will be giving you updates and a little information about that. Woo! We're going to have a little special bonus podcast where we'll kind of be vlogging without the video. (laughs) (laughs) Podcast vlogging. And we'll let you know what we get up to while we're there. If you're interested in that sort of thing. But if not, we'll be here for Killing Eve to see what happens to Bella and Eve in the last season. We'll enjoy that. Until next time, (laughs) goodbye. Bye!
Thank you.